You're listening to Kevin Stock Radio. Hey, it's Kevin, and it was just recently the first day of summer, and so I posted up an article on, it's called The Health Dangers of Sun Avoidance, Uh, and I think it's an important topic because we're told, you know, lather on the sunscreen, put on a hat, cover up, get in the shade, okay, so you're avoiding the sun, oh, but be sure to take that vitamin D supplement, and this advice has gotten so pervasive that I it's and I, I think it's undermining a lot of our health issues so I want to talk about that today it I think is super super important it's one of the things that can seriously move the needle uh, with your health how you feel how you sleep your longevity and so this is gonna be a, a, a shorter uh, episode, so to speak. Uh, but I think it's going to be as far as bang for your buck. I, th- I think you're going to find this one worth it. So I want to first quote the American Academy of Dermatology because they seem to have this zero tolerance policy with the sun. And so this is what they said. This is what they say on their website. You need to protect your skin from the sun every day, even when it's cloudy. All people, regardless of skin color, need to protect themselves from the sun's harmful ultraviolet rays by seeking shade, wearing protective clothing, and using a broad-spectrum, water-resistant sunscreen with an SPF of 30 or higher. That is their recommendation. Now, my recommendation is much, uh, I'll say simpler. It is sun's out, gun's out. Okay, I'm going to explain more about this, uh, this, this simple policy. Uh, but it, in general, it's, uh, I'm going to argue that sun avoidance is far more dangerous than sun exposure. Okay, and I'm going to talk about uh, how much sun exposure you need, how much is dangerous, what is dangerous. Uh, we're going to talk about vitamin D supplements, but the sun is much more than vitamin D. Uh, and that's something I want to impress upon in this episode is that while vitamin d synthesis from the sun is one hugely important thing uh that's not the only thing uh that the sun gives us and vitamin d supplementation trying to use that to replace the sun may not be the best idea so let's dive into it now i know what you're thinking uh all i seem to talk about is how modern health guidelines are killing us right (laughs) but it's for a reason uh because you know, let's just let's just look back at the past century, for example. All of a sudden, in this last century, we discovered that meat was bad for us. It was laced with uh, saturated fat and cholesterol, and this causes heart disease, right? We're told to ditch the animal products, trade in your butter for margarine, replace the animal fats with vegetable, vegetable oils, replace animal protein with carbs and grains and sugars. Uh, and of course, we know the result of this, right? Epidemic levels of obesity, diabetes, ever-increasing heart failure, cancers. Basically, we have a chronically sick modern population, okay? And I think uh, the sun guidelines are are on par with kind of our dietary guidelines right now. Uh, and so I, I want to give a little bit of a core, a little bit of a relation between sunscreen 
and this fake lab meat that has gotten all the rage recently because uh, I think these are the margarines of today. Okay, so if you weren't aware, back in 2015, the U.S. finally banned trans fats. Uh, and if you're not familiar, this is what is loaded in margarine. So it turns out it wasn't the butter that was killing us after all. It was the margarine, the industrialized, processed, hydrogenated trans fats. Who would have thought, right? But, you know, when we look back, it seems obvious. It's like, man, that that very unnatural way of making this new kind of fat that the humans have never eaten in history. Wait, that was causing the problems? Yeah. Okay. So, uh <laughs> when we when, let's just look at uh, real meat versus lab meat because it's 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 the same kind of dialogue, right? So marketing and propaganda can often blur what is really like plainly obvious. Uh, so the meat is bad. Propaganda is still quite pervasive today. People think meat and its saturated fat and its cholesterol uh, still cause heart disease and cancer. And even though you know, the research is pretty clear now. That research hasn't made its way into public knowledge, okay? Because really, if you think about it, if you look back uh, throughout history, there's there's not a more natural food for humans to eat than meat. Yet, somehow, this became the root cause of all our chronic illnesses, right? Uh, and now we have this anti-meat crowd that thinks that fake meat grown in labs uh, is not only going to be like an alternative to meat, but it's going to be something that's going to revitalize our health. It's like a new health food. Uh, and to me, this is, this is a classic, I will just say quote unquote margarine moment. Like I have no doubt that we're going to look back on the beyond meats and the impossible burgers, these companies that are making, uh, these fake meats. And we're going to say like, man, how did we not see it? It was so obvious, right? Like these vegetable oil, synthetic meat blobs of junk like oh that's not health food uh and so i think sunscreen is actually it's a similar kind of story to me because sunscreen was invented in the 1940s uh and if you think about it you're like wow how did the human species survive for millions of years without sunscreen and even you know back then humans they lived outdoors they didn't even have houses they spent countless hours uh with less clothing than we have today under a blazing tropical sun like could it get more dangerous than this uh, but somehow the human species survived uh, and it wasn't until the industrial revolution when we uh, like abandoned our ancestral outdoor lives for this modern indoor captivity if you will so we know humans evolved under you know outside under a tropical sun and over three plus million years of human evolution we actually devised a way to protect our skins from the sun's radiation long before the 1940s in the first sunscreens, okay? So humans, we have this natural built-in sunscreen. It's called melanin. And when we're exposed to UV radiation like that from the sun, the skin produces melanin for protection, okay? It's better than the best sunscreen you can get your hands on. Uh, it, it absorbs light uh, and the pigment can dissipate over 99.9% of absorbed UV radiation. Uh, so as humans, if we, if we, if we kind of zoom out and look at this through an evolutionary perspective, we evolved into apex predators and persistence hunters. This is something I've written about and talked about in the past. Uh, and one of our adaptations was a loss of body hair uh, and an accompanying increase in exocrine glands. So we could run all day, we could hunt all day in this heat, uh, but we lost these fur coats 
that ha- that you know had a role uh, of a certain amount of protection from radi- sun radiation, right? UV radiation. Uh, and now the fact that we've lost these fur coats so that we can run and hunt, uh, we had this increased risk potential for UV radiation. However, we had evolutionary counterbalancing adaptations to this hair loss, and that was an increase in melanin-producing melanocytes, which are the cells that produce melanin, uh, and it's what gives us darker skin and better sun protection. Okay, Now, let's just continue this evolutionary perspective because as humans sprawled across the globe, we moved to areas with less sunlight. Uh, and we see in these areas that accompanying this uh less sunlight we had less selective pressure for melanin uh, and it was actually super important to have less melanin so that we can get adequate sunlight uh and this uh, and basically this is what gives us the range of human skin colors that we have today is this varying degree of melanin okay so skin pigmentation uh and sun exposure is basically this this extremely important balancing act and so let's i i think a helpful analogy is thinking of melanin as a shield okay so people with darker skin they have more melanin and they can stay out in the sun much longer without the downside risk of uv radiation okay but they need to stay out in the sun much longer to absorb the necessary amount of sunshine that they require okay now people with fairer skin they can absorb and store more sunshine uh, than someone with darker skin. Uh, so they don't need as many hours in the sun. However, they are at a higher risk uh, of UV radiation. Okay, UV radiation damage. Uh, and like I said, a helpful analogy is kind of think of melanin as a shield. So some of us have thicker shields, darker skin, and some of us have thinner shields, fairer skin. Uh, and the thicker the, the, the shield, the more protection you get from UV radiation, but also the more time you need to spend in the sun to get the adequate levels, like I said. The thinner the shield, the less sun exposure you need, but the greater risk you have from UV radiation, especially in modern uh, in culture and modern the modern world, which I'm gonna get to in a second. Uh, but modern health guidelines have focused only on the UV radiation risk part of this equation. Uh, and they've totally neglected the sunshine benefit part of the equation, the, the part that we need. Uh, they forgot that this is like a balancing act, and they really have only focused on uh, the risk, the 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 risk, and not the the risk of sun exposure, not the risk of in, inadequate sun exposure. Okay, so the modern world is wildly out of balance uh, in favor of sun avoidance versus. Uh, the sun exposure we need for health okay so here's something that we know we know cardiovascular diseases like heart attack and stroke as well as overall mortality increase the further you move away from the equator and we know there's a strong correlation between blood levels of vitamin d and the latitudes at which people live okay so the risk and this is a very interesting uh very interesting observation the risk of heart disease and heart attack dramatically drop in summer, and they go way up in the winter. Uh, so we know the more sunshine you get, the higher your vitamin D levels, the healthier you are. And we've known this, and it's why vitamin D has garnered so much recognition, and uh, why people, you know, it's one of the most popular supplements uh, people take, and it's because of these correlations. And moreover, 
we are wildly deficient in vitamin D in, in modern life as a whole. Uh, and many people think this is a root cause of our downward spiraling health. Uh, so there's estimates that up to 85% of Americans, nearly 95% of senior citizens and citizens have inadequate levels of vitamin D. Uh, deficiencies are even more common in people with darker skin. And I mean, based on what we just talked about, that shouldn't be surprising uh, because people with darker skin need more sun than someone with fairer skin, yet they're living these modern lifestyles, living indoors, uh, as well as being told by you know the health professionals to lather up in sunscreen and stay out of the sun. Uh, so it's really not surprising that people with darker skin, they suffer higher rates of heart disease, diabetes, cancers, all these diseases that are lessened when you have increased sunlight exposure. So there's this, this Dr. Lin, Lin, Lindquist, uh, who he has this uh he's done a lot of great research and he associates or equates i should say he equates sunscreen with cigarettes uh he spent years researching sun exposure uh and he found very compelling evidence it's so compelling that he equates spf 50 to basically a pack of marlboros uh marlboro cigarettes and I'll just go ahead and quote him here. He says, uh, avoidance of sun exposure is a risk factor of similar magnitude as smoking in terms of life expectancy. Uh, so we know sun exposure increases vitamin D production, right? Uh, which is super important and we're, and we're gonna get to that. But what is less known is that's not it. Sun exposure releases a number of critical compounds in the body like nitrous oxide, uh, which lowers blood pressure and serotonin and endorphins, which make you feel good. It regulates our circadian rhythms and improves sleep. And this relationship between sun exposure and improved sleep, uh, I'm not going to go down a sleep uh, tangent right here because I'm going to be talking about that a lot here in the near future. Uh, but this this uh, reinforcing cycle of sun exposure and improved sleep and circadian rhythms is, you know, if It'll, it'll blow your mind how impactful that is. No one realizes how important that is to health. Uh, one of the most crucial things we can do to not only living longer, but feeling better uh, and, you know, mitigating a lot of the chronic illnesses today would simply, you know, getting outside, getting sun and getting adequate sleep. And, you know, I've talked a lot about diet. That's another pillar, one of the pillars. But uh, and I'll talk about diet here as it relates to vitamin D as well. Uh, but without going down a, rat, uh, a tangent there, sunlight is important for so many things uh, because, I mean, there's direct relationship between uh, sun exposure and decreased risk of cancers, mental health disorders, autoimmune diseases. It even is no, shown to improve fertility and metabolic syndrome, okay? So, you know, while popular media and popular, I'll say, modern medicine advocates for the sun avoidance, to tell us to lather on the sunscreen, you know, put on that gigantic hat, cover up. Uh, but really, I think there's some evidence, some very compelling evidence that shows that this can severely undermine our health. Okay, so let's let's address the elephant in the room, and then we can we can talk about some more nuances about sun exposure. And that is, of course, skin cancer. Right? We know sun exposure is linked with skin cancers. What is not known is not all skin cancers are the same. First of all. Uh, there's these basal cell carcinomas and these squamous cell carcinoma, ca carcinomas that are very rarely fatal. Uh, 
Uh, so to kind of put this in perspective, for every 100 people that die from cardiovascular disease, about one person dies from skin cancer, okay, 1%. Uh, and the deaths associated with sunlight deprivation, all these chronic illnesses that are strongly associated with inadequate sun exposure, like that far, far outweigh uh, that from sun exposure, okay? And we need to talk about melanoma because that's the deadly, deadly type of skin cancer. Uh, and it's quite rare. About 1% to 3% of uh, all new skin cancers are melanoma. And really, sun exposure isn't the problem. You want to know why I say that? Because there's evidence, research that shows that outdoor workers have half the melanoma rate as indoor workers. Rather, this is what the real risk is from. The real risk is from being indoors 24-7 you know, this modern lifestyle of sun avoidance. And then you go vacation for a week in Mexico and you get burnt to a crisp, okay? That is the risk factor, the burn, okay? If someone that's getting sun on a continual basis, uh, they're not burning, okay? And and the the research is pretty clear. Uh, Long-term sun exposure like this is inversely related to melanoma. Basically, more sun, less melanoma. But the risk the sun poses is really twofold. One, not getting enough sun. Two, getting burned because you're not getting enough sun, okay? So getting regular sun not only decreases your chances of getting melanoma, but it also decreases the chance, the, the, the incidence of getting other cancers as well. So regular sun exposure is gonna increase your life expectancy. It's gonna decrease the likelihood of developing most of the chronic diseases of the modern world and it will even help decrease your chance of getting the one thing that most people are afraid of the sun for, the de- deadly form of skin cancer melanoma, okay? So I know that, you know, that's a brief overview of skin cancer. I just wanted to hit the highlights, things that people just don't consider, and it's very important to, to t- take the whole picture into perspective, okay? So let's talk about uh, some... some uh, uh, sun exposure guidelines. Okay. Because I, th- I feel like we need to step out of the dark ages here. It's basically, I feel like the current guidelines are on par with, you know, as a dentist, uh, <laughs> a dentist, it'd be like me recommending someone not to eat because food causes cavities, you know, like, come on, that that's ridiculous. Uh, but the current, the current sun exposure guidelines, they, they seem to be written for the highest risk population the pasty white people like me okay uh and it basically and moreover it first of all it ignores the risk associated with not getting enough sun exposure uh which is which is huge uh but you know to make things even worse this high risk category of very white people uh uh first of all it I'm trying to say this in the most succinct way possible, but basically these guidelines completely disregard that people have different skin colors and difference amount of thus difference amount of melanoma and thus have different needs for the amount of sun they get. For example, darker people rarely, rarely get melanoma. Like if you look across races, about one in a hundred thousand african-americans get melanoma and the kind that they get is it's not even caused by sun exposure it's the kind that you know they'll get it on the palms of their hands and feet uh about five in a hundred thousand hispanics about 26 in a hundred thousand caucasians so melanoma is not evenly distributed uh 
But whether you're more towards the white spectrum or on the darker side of the spectrum as far as skin color, the amount of sun exposure we get in modern society is woefully inadequate. And unless you're an outdoor uh, worker, the probability is you know close to certain that you aren't getting enough sun to optimize your health and longevity. All right, uh, but I think I think there's good news at least in certain parts of the world because uh, I'll just let's take Australia for example. Uh, the Australian College of Dermatologists have finally kind of woken up. This is what they're, they're saying. Uh, ultraviolet radiation from the sun has both beneficial and potentially harmful effects. A balance is required. The benefits of sun exposure may extend beyond the production of vitamin D, which I'm going to be getting to here in a second, uh, like the reduction in blood pressure, suppression of autoimmune disease, and improvements of, of mood. So, the Australian College of Dermatologists, they go on to say that when the UV index is below three, sun protection is not even recommended uh, unless you're near snow or other reflective services. Uh, and to support vitamin D pro- uh, production, they recommend spending time outdoors in the middle of the day with some skin uncovered. Basically, it sounds like in Australia, they're recommending the exact opposite of you know what, what's being recommended in the United States. Go figure. Uh, <laughs> now, my guidelines, I like to keep it a little bit more simple. Number one, don't get burned, okay? Even if this means using sunscreen, uh, then use it, okay? Don't get burned. That's how, that that's what puts you at risk for melanoma. The one downside of getting sun exposure is the skin cancer that's going to kill you, melanoma. And that is really associated with sunburns, okay? So what you want to do is have chronic sun exposure so that you don't get burned, okay? And if it requires you to use some sunscreen or use uh, cover up after a few minutes in the sun or whatnot so that you can gradually build up your sun tolerance and your, the melanin production uh, to not get burned, then do that, okay? Rule number one, don't get burned. Rule number two, try to get some sun every single day that you possibly can. Uh, not only do you get, you're going to get the huge benefits that are associated with getting sunshine, but like I said in, in rule number one, you're going to be less likely to burn, okay? Uh, so thus, you'll decrease your risk from UV radiation, ironically enough. If you get enough of it, you decrease your risk because you're not going to get burned. Uh, contrary to popular uh, thought, midday, I think, is the best time to get sun, actually. This is when uh, UVB rays, that's the wavelength that helps produce vitamin D, uh, that's when it's the highest. So you, you really want to get midday uh, rays, okay? And as far as a guideline of like, because I know it's going to be asked, how much sun do I need? Well, obviously, it's going to depend on on numerous factors, okay? First, remember rule number one, don't get burned. Uh, and then it's going to depend on are you white? And pale like me, uh, you know, you don't need to get as much sun, or you dark. Do you have darker skin? You need you need to be out in the in the sun more. So here's kind of a general guideline for someone like me. Uh, something I shoot for would be uh, on average 20 minutes a day around solar noon with adequate skin exposure. Uh, that would mean like with my shirt off, basically going for a 20 minute walk around lunchtime. Okay. That's what I've been doing recently. And like, I'll, I'll go and touch on that. I've been, since I've, well, since I've written about this, I've, it's not surprising. Maybe I'm more conscious. I'm like, I need more sun. And I've been doing these 20 minutes walk every day at lunch. And I have been feeling better in the afternoon, more energetic, more alive, better focus in the afternoon. I've been sleeping better. Uh, so, uh, 
super beneficial on just a day-to-day basis uh as well as you know i my my pale skin is getting is getting tanner as well so so general guideline i shoot for roughly 20 minutes or so a day if you if you you know expand that out over a week you know roughly two hours of sun exposure a week is a good guideline uh, for someone that's more on the whiter side of the skin color spectrum the darker you are the more sun you need to get okay uh hopefully hopefully you can just kind of gauge that for yourself where you might fit on that spectrum again don't get burned but besides that if you're real darkened skin uh or have darker darker skin you know you as long as you're not burning you don't, you don't really have much risk you don't you, you could almost you know stay out in the sun for hours and hours and hours and be just fine all right now i i need to talk about vitamin d okay uh because as i mentioned uh sun exposure is very important for a lot of reasons vitamin d is one of those reasons uh and it's produced when the sun hits our skin uh and the research is really quite clear that uh low vitamin d in the blood is associated with nearly every chronic illness cancer heart disease diabetes cognitive impairment autoimmune disorders osteoporosis you name it low vitamin d levels uh likely are associated with that uh moreover you know of the 30,000 genes in your body vitamin d affects about 10 percent of them uh and most of modern society is deficient uh but the sun is one half of the story i'm going to talk about the other half of the story but let's start with vitamin d supplementation okay so vitamin d3 uh it's a soluble steroid hormone and like i said it forms when the sun hits your skin that converts a cholesterol derivative into uh vitamin d3 and just in a quick fyi uh i recently wrote about cholesterol and if you have not read that i highly recommend it i I might do a podcast on it but it just basically goes over the importance of cholesterol how that's just another modern day guideline that i think is a little bit misguided Uh, but you need adequate cholesterol to produce sufficient vitamin d3 okay uh what's the problem the problem is that sunscreen blocks this process and of course you know, modern society is going to say, well, just put on sunscreen and take a vitamin D pill, right? Replace that natural sun with a supplement, with a vitamin, with a pill. Uh, However, there's a lot of research on vitamin D and numerous clinical trials have shown that supplemental vitamin D can confers little to no benefit. Uh, It doesn't, hasn't been shown to prevent cancers or heart attacks. It doesn't even reduce the risk. Uh, And further, like everything vitamin d is a part of a very complex network in your body it is connected with other molecules and processes that we don't fully understand today while we know a lot we don't understand everything and i i want to use a quick example here with vitamin k2 okay so if you're lacking in vitamin d you need more k2 Uh, and taking a vitamin d supplement without balancing k2 can have some really adverse health effects now, one role of vitamin K2 is that it helps direct calcium. It tells the calcium where to go. It can send it to your bones and to your teeth, making them strong, which is good. Uh, but if you if you disrupt the balance, uh, it can send calcium to your arteries. It can harden them. It can result in atherosclerosis. Obviously, not a good thing. So this is just a way of me saying is something that's so common today is we try and we, we, we remove some natural part of our life or our diet and then we just try and supplement it but 
trying to supplement each little tiny vitamin, mineral, nutrient is, you know, it's so short-sighted because we have this complex interactions between all of them, which luckily these these nutrients come bundled up in a whole food piece of meat in just the right ratios. Uh, but when we try and, you know, manipulate this ourselves, it gets complicated. Now, what's the best ratio of vitamin D3 supplement to K2? Well, the fact is we don't know. You know, I've done a good amount of research in the area. My best guess is that uh, for every thousand IU of vitamin D3, uh, you should probably take 100 to 200 micrograms of K2. That's a best guess. But, you know, my recommendation is that instead of trying to guess these things and, you know, try to and trying to supplement yourself your way out of deficiencies, uh, you know, trying to create this balance via pharmaceuticals, I just think it's much better just to, you know, go the natural right, find the natural balance, you know, use sun and appropriate diet. And, you know, you strike you strike a natural balance, uh, which this kind of leads me into the next thing. Let's talk about vitamin D and diet. Because I alluded to the sun is half the equation, right? Because uh, we have these modern levels uh, of vitamin D deficiency because we live indoors, because we lather up with sunscreen and cover up with any hint of sun coming out. Uh, but our modern diet is exacerbating the situation as well. Uh, the modern diet is a plant-based diet. And if you don't believe me, I've written and talked about this a lot, uh, but most of the world is on a plant-based diet okay it might it may not look like a fruit or a vegetable uh when you're eating that donut but that most of the ingredients of that donut come from plants okay now yes we have uh refined these grains and we have processed them and so the plants have transformed beyond recognition but make no mistake about it like the world's on a plant-based diet for the most part okay and uh it's tough to get the vitamin d we need through plants, as I'm gonna get to here in a second. Uh, but it's tough to get the amount of vitamin D we need uh, through animal-based foods too, but those are basically the only chance we have uh, if you're trying to get adequate levels of vitamin D, uh, if you're not getting adequate levels of sun, sunshine. Ideally, you get them both. But let's take a look here at Arctic populations because uh, there are many people like the Inuit who lived at latitudes up to 80 degrees, as well as like um, our ancestors of the ice ages that had perhaps even less sunlight than we have today. Uh, and you know, take my word for it. They didn't have vitamin D supplements, uh, and they, they probably stayed bundled up and covered up in the cold. Uh, but you know, evidence suggests that they didn't suffer from vitamin D deficiencies. Uh, and, and you know, that's what evidence suggests. Uh, but, uh, so there's this study on, uh, the in, on Inuit that were living in Greenland that showed the more modern foods that they ate, including things like fruits and vegetables and breads, uh, the lower their vitamin D levels were in the blood, but the Inuits who ate closer to their traditional animal-based diets had higher vitamin D levels, although they both had uh, about the same amount of sun exposure, which was relatively little sun exposure. Uh, there's a similar test done in Russia that compared two groups uh, where one group ate a traditional diet, which was mainly composed of reindeer, uh, and the other group, uh, which lived in an adjacent town that had adopted a westernized diet, uh, they, while both groups had you know similar amounts of sun exposure, the group with the modern diet, uh, full of you know, basically plant-based foods, they were deficient in vitamin D, while those eating their traditional meat-based diet of reindeer, they had normal levels of vitamin D. Okay. So what I'm getting at here is diet plays a role, okay? Half the, half the equation is sun, half the equation of diet. 
So when we get vitamin D, whether from the diet or, or, or the sun, it's mostly in its inactive form. It has to be converted to the active form. And guess what interferes with this conversion? Fructose, okay? So if you know how much fructose is eaten and eaten in the modern world, uh, it's no wonder that we all have vitamin D deficiencies uh, because vitamin D disrupts the activation of inactive vitamin D to, active, to its active form. So basically, it's this combination of eating less animal-based products uh, that provide the majority source of dietary vitamin D that we need uh, and the increase in carbs, particularly sugar and fructose, that block conversion of inactive to active form D3 that has led to the widespread vitamin D deficiency. Now, I need to mention, some plant-based foods do have vitamin D. It's the vitamin D2 version, and we have to convert it to D3. And just like the conversion of so many plant-based nutrients that we have to, we have to alter to be used for human needs, uh, the conversion of D2 to D3, it, it ranges from not good to just downright awful. Uh, and it's shown that vitamin D3, the kind that we get from meat or the sun, uh, is about 90% more effective than D2. Okay, So uh, something else that further highlights uh, diet's role in vitamin D is in areas with limited sunlight we have seen that meat is protective against rickets and rickets so rickets is a bone disease caused by vitamin d deficiency but if you're eating meat you don't get rickets like that so that's just another thing to show you the importance of dietary sources of vitamin d uh specifically d3 okay so long story short vitamin d is important and the best way to get it is sun red meat fatty fish uh, that's what I would do. And I'd also, I would recommend, this is one test, I, blood test I recommend getting. Check your vitamin D levels. Uh, there's two tests that are commonly offered. You want to order the 25, you'll, it'll be brackets OHD. Uh, it's also called 25-hydroxy vitamin D test. Uh, and you want to check your blood levels, okay? I think, my opinion here, that optimal ranges are between 40 and 80 nanograms per milliliter. You'll often see if you look it up, like 20 nanograms per milliliter is the cutoff on the low level, uh, which I just think is way too low. I actually think like you need double that to be in optimal ranges. So 40 uh, nanograms per, per milliliter would be my thought as the minimum in the optimal range. Okay. So let's, I, I'm going I'm to bring this all together here and re uh, revisit modern health guidelines. Uh, because they seem to always be directing us to replace something that is natural with something that is artificial. And it's usually just a huge mistake. Uh, like a vitamin D pill, it just can't replace the sun, okay? Uh, and I, one quick word on sunscreen, because that's what's recommend using it, right? At, at any hint of sun, at sun exposure, you know, put on sunscreen. Sunscreen has been shown to be an endocrine disru disruptor that has, it has this ingredient, uh, oxybenzone, which can mutate DNA of corals and it destroys corals reefs. Uh, so like this advice to smear on this synthetic block to protect you from, you know, the life giving sun, like that's a curious piece of advice to me. Uh, my recommendation is, you know, stick with what's a little bit more natural. Okay. Sun's out, guns out. That's my policy. 
be smart about it. Don't get burned. But I hope you found this helpful. Uh, take home message is sun exposure is super important to health. Okay. It's important to vitamin D production, uh, as well as a myriad of other things. Okay. Uh, and so go get your sun. Uh, hope you found this helpful and I will catch you in the next one. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. Keep the radio going. Dr. Kevin Stock has more coming your way. For exclusive content, visit www.kevinstock.io.